Episode of the Tiagi Group podcast. I'm sitting here with the boss, Tiagi. Hi, Tiagi. Hello, Mac. How are you today? I'm doing fine. Good. Excellent. Well, Tiagi and I were talking, and we thought that it would be fun to put together a podcast on a monthly basis on different topics that we uh, go over in our workshops and classes, uh, go over topics of uh, answering questions from emails we get, and so forth. And we thought today we'd tackle one of the most enjoyable topics uh, uh, we encounter, and that's jolt. I hope that jolted all of you. So, Tiagi, what's a jolt? Uh, A jolt is a very brief experiential activity. It could be a game, it could be a role play, it could be one of those things which lasts for less than three minutes and teaches you obviously with appropriate debriefing, teaches you the meaning of life. So give me an example. Okay. One of the examples is, let let us see if you can do that. And whoever is listening, if he can follow along and actually perform this jolt, it will be great. However, if you're driving a car, please try not to do that. Okay, Matt? And everybody else, can you look at the ceiling? Assuming there is a ceiling above your head. If not, if you are the outdoors kind of guy, can you look at the sky? And here is what I want for you to do. Can you raise your right hand and hold out your index finger and point to the ceiling? Go ahead, Matt, above your head. Raise your right hand all the way up your head. And if any of you feel stupid doing this, you're not alone. (laughs) Good. Now, imagine that your index finger is pointing to a clock which is actually installed horizontally on the ceiling, flat on the ceiling, looking down. So you can look at the clock Please point to the number 12 on this imaginary clock. Good. By the way, it's an old-fashioned clock. Now, can you move your finger to number 3, number 6, number 9, back to 12? Can you make a big sweeping circle with your hand going in the clockwise direction, which is 12 to 3 to 6 to 9 to 12, that way? Keep on circling it, and if other people are staring, it's that problem. Okay, here is what I want for you to do. Can you lower your finger by bending your elbow, still pointing to the ceiling, and bring it all the way down to your shoulder level, still circling in the original direction. Now, look at your finger. In what direction is it going, Matt? Counterclockwise. You say that with such calmness. Are you not jolted? Isn't this exciting? What happened? Let's do it again. I'm having a heart attack. (laughs) Hands up, ceiling, 
wide clockwise circles. Love your hand still pointing to the ceiling. Look at it. You are circling in the opposite direction. So this is the pure jolt. The jolt as it happens. Now the debriefing. In most cases the debriefing is why did that happen Matt? Why did your finger which was moving in a clockwise direction start moving in a counterclockwise direction? A perspective. Perspective, point of view, uh, depending on whether you are looking up or looking down at your fingers. So it's a simple idea. By the way, there are many crazy people who are probably still going round and round trying to figure out how this is happening. And there are people who call me a week later just to announce, I figured it all out. So if I'm on the ceiling looking down, it looks different. Things of that nature. So perspective, the second question in our debriefing is okay, good. So different people have different points of view, things look different. How does it relate to real life? In your office, in your workplace, does a perspective make a major difference? Tell me about it, Matt. Ah, well, if I am in a have a relationship with my boss, my boss may have one point of view, I come at the issue from a different perspective and have a completely different point of view. Uh, so it, it certainly can open up eyes in that capacity. Um, another uh, aspect might be taking different perspectives on an issue. Uh, so to be politically incorrect, the abortion issue in politics, uh, religion. Uh, so any kind of issue can have multiple perspectives. Um, as we look at solving problems, coming at the problem from different angles might open up uh, different possible solutions. So there are lots of ways we can approach right. this. And we have used it for customer service, for example, to tell the call center people the difference between your point of view and the customer's point of view in management, what you perceive as the reality is different from what your associates perceive as a reality. Yeah, so the, the only time I find it's ineffective is in couples counseling. Uh, but it does uh, drive home dramatically the point uh, that different people have different points of view. And I don't want to <laughs> slip in any inappropriate jokes at this time. Okay, let's I, move I on. I noticed your avoidance there. That was well done. Very good. <laughs> let us move on to another type of a jolt. Well, can I, can I, let me ask you sure. a question first. So when would I want to use one of these jolts? Why, why do I do this? Okay. Um, when I want to get across any important principle, issue, or concept, and I don't have too much time to spend on doing an elaborate type of assimilation game, I use a jolt. Mostly with adult learners, and especially the new hire, the young people, they are not used to going through a lengthy simulation. They want it done very, very quickly. They are the twitch speed kind of people. So that's when I use. Sometimes I start with a jolt, 
for example in this case i can uh, do a customer service workshop begin with this jolt and say okay one of the major concepts i want to get across is what the customer sees is very different from what you see and then i can uh, talk about the concept of multiple realities and things of that nature great sometimes i can uh, do a jolt at the end uh, just to wrap up the key learning points so ultimately though it's a very brief activity that i use to create some kind of epiphanous moment and uh i can expand or or shrink my level of discussion after exactly okay. exactly so you were going to give us another one okay so this is a jolt on your critical thinking abilities oh, i already failed okay i'm going to give you a set of three numbers they are called mat they're named after a famous number theorist and i want you to think of what makes these three numbers a mat and i will give you three exam uh, let me actually jump into that and everybody who is listening to the podcast you can play along too and you don't have to pull your car on the shoulder of the road I just got to think but keep your eyes on the road are you ready mat yes here is mat number 1 3 6 7 this set of three numbers three oh, don't get excited let me repeat three six seven they make a mat let me give you another mat two thousand four thousand four thousand and one so this is another mat and what is common among these two mats and let me give you another example how about eight 16 17 can you uh, i have to change your name let me call you jeff hey jeff can you give me another example don't give me the definition give me an example i will tell you whether it's a mat or not a mat 10 20 21 beautiful that's a mat anybody else give me an example pretend to be somebody else 4 8 9 wonderful great Okay everybody shout out give me a lot more examples 2 4 5 3 4 5 Wait good ah uh, you said 3 4 5 yes that is a mat when you find out that 3 4 5 is a mat how many of you get irritated and before talking about that let me ask you most people look at the pattern among these three numbers decide the connection is a number followed by double the number followed by double the number plus 1 once you have discovered that you are so excited by your own brilliance that you supply me with the three numbers that fit into the pattern and my point in critical thinking is that does not contribute any new knowledge you are just confirming you are a very smart person there is no falsifiability it doesn't show you something new so when you say 7 14 
15 matter does it contribute any new information uh no it doesn't it ah. gives you the same pattern and uh, when he said yes uh, that's a matter how did you feel i'm brilliant <laughs> you felt you're brilliant but if you're a true scientist a true critical thinker you would have said oops another wasted opportunity the key element in being a critical thinker is trying to falsify whatever hypothesis you got. So some genius yelled out three, four, five. She probably thought that will get, no, it's not a mat, but it turns out it is a mat. Now this is a jolt. Just when you were thinking you got it all figured out, here is a counter example. So Matt, give me something else and let us see if we can strive to get a no because that contributes to your understanding. Uh, 10, 14, 13. 10, 14, 13. That's not a Matt. That probably gives you some clues uh, which are valuable. So try something else. 194.91. No, that's not a mat. Let me give an example. 7, 2 billion, 3.5 billion. That is a mat. And so we can keep on going. Now, would somebody like to give me a definition of what is a mat? Pregnant pause for listener engagement. <laughs> Ascending numbers. Okay, good. Correct. Give the man 100 points. All I'm thinking of was three ascending numbers. Three numbers in an ascending order. Three whole numbers in an ascending order. It so happened, uh, it so happens the first three examples I used also had other variables associated with it, but that is just a coincidence. Just like most people uh, you see in Hollywood movies who are from India, they worship sacred cows. So we can't jump to the conclusion that all Indians worship cows. I have single-handedly consumed 1,000 Big Macs. So this is don't jump to conclusion. As uh, always, I will say, what is what is the learning point? What epiphany did you get? Uh, that just because I think I know the pattern doesn't mean that I actually understand what's really happening. Okay, that is one idea. And some people say that I should try hard to prove that I'm incorrect and I'm stupid, things of that nature. So this is another example of a Joel to Matt. So when I'm using jolts with participants, uh, I, I, the two you've done, mm -hmm. both of uh, both of which could at some point make me feel dumb. Mm -hmm. So how do I handle uh, having a room full of people that now feel like I made them stupid? Okay, or I'm so making fun of them. Uh, number one, try not to do that consistently. So try something else which will make them feel happier, make them feel smarter. And number two, 
make uh, fun of yourself, tell them the first time somebody did it to you, you were just like that. So if you want to report on any stupidity, make yourself the stupid person. So that is one approach. There are jewels which don't have to be this kind of an entrapment jolt. Let me give an example. Let you and I talk about the concept of jolts supplying one or two words at a time. I say one or two words, you say one or two words. Our goal is to come up with a discussion of jolts or an explanation of jolts. Good. You begin. Jolts are easy to design and debrief if one spends some significant time thinking about different key ideas and consequences that you might encounter during real-world applications without removing so you get the idea <laughs> didn't mean to stump you there <laughs> ah, yes i got stumped so the goal of this activity which is called the endless sentence is we try not to bring the sentence to a conclusion and keep opening it up. This is like playing ghost except with the words and the sentences. But what it does... Uh, we have to go. We have a fire. <laughs> we'll be back. And we're back after the fire drill. Hey, Matt, I didn't realize you knew how to give CPR. I know. I feel really bad, though, about breaking that guy's ribs. So, good thing they can't sue us, right? Yep, it is. Uh, this is a real-life jolt. Okay, so we were talking about jolts, and we were talking about a pleasant jolt called the endless sentence. And that, by the way, I use that jolt to tell people about active listening, the importance of building on what other people are talking about. That jolt, I use it in also in my dialogue classes. Are you ready for another jolt? Mike? Yeah, give me one more. Okay, how about, uh, can you name the seven days of the week, beginning with Sunday, let's see how fast you can do it. You guys also do it. Recite the names of seven days of the week as fast as you can. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Very good. Okay, now same activity with a minor change. Okay, Matt, can you name the seven days of the week beginning with Friday because I want you to recite them in alphabetical order. Friday, continue. Friday, mon Monday, Saturday. Oops, time's up. Actually, see, it is Friday, Monday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I got it memorized. Took me 
three days uh, to memorize it. Okay, so this is a joke. What's the point? You are repeating the names of seven days of the week, doing it the first time. You had no difficulty. You were doing it rapidly, doing it in alphabetical order. You had great difficulty. So why is that, Matt? Uh, since I was a little kid, we've always done it in order, <coughs> starting with Sunday, not alphabetical. It's a new thing. Very good. This is a jolt I use for training people on the importance of unlearning. Before you can learn something new, you have to learn something that you have learned very strongly, habitually. So old habits and old learning interferes with learning new things. Can you give me an example of something like this where learning what you already know interferes with what you want to learn? In a work environment, it might be learning a, a new software program. Very good. Uh, in a personal environment, it could be learning a new instrument or a new song for a musical instrument. Excellent. Excellent. I know, for example, you shifted over from a PC type of an approach with your laptop computer to a Mac. How was that experience initially, Mac? Oh, there was no learning curve. It's a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> and now, if you want to go back to the... We'll take that check from Apple. <laughs> If you want to go back to PC, let me guarantee that you're going to have a period of unlearning. Similarly, if you learned how to drive on the correct side of the road and go to the United Kingdom, where you are supposed to drive on the left side of the road, that interferes. With. So what qualifies something as a jolt? So can a jolt be flicking a lamp on and off or uh, putting a straw through a potato? Uh, what constitutes, what are the qualities of a you, jolt? You've got a variety of jolts. The two requirements, number one, it should be short, and number two, it should produce some kind of a pleasant or unpleasant, unexpected result. For example, when he said, recite the names of seven days of the week, in alphabetical order, you were surprised on how tough it became. So, and from an instructional point of view, it should drive home a learning point we want to get across. So, the speed is a factor, the impact, the emotional impact, unexpectedness is another factor. Have you ever had one blow up in your face? Uh, one of the ideal things about jolts that don't blow up, you blow up. Uh, jolts uh, just to give you data. If it blows up, you just smile and say, folks, uh, last time I tried it in Florida, it worked this way. Why do you think it did not work the same way now? And you can use it for the debriefing process, Matt. So it becomes an imaginary jolt. Uh, have you ever, are all jolts uh, fun and engaging or are some jolts uh, more serious and devastating? Uh, I think all jolts are engaging. Whether they are engaging in a positive way or a negative way, it depends. And the law of emotional learning says people learn 
when they are happy, people learn when they are happy, but they never learned when they are born out of their gourd. So you also prevent the apathy from taking over. I think the, uh, uh, the reason I asked that question was I once ran your meaning of life jolt, which you can explain mm-hmm. in a second, uh, for a group of executives. Mm-hmm. And after running it, a woman ran out of the class crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The, and Tiagi will walk you through the jolt in a second. But um, certainly that experience was not a, a good experience for her, even from mm-hmm. a learning standpoint, yeah. in a classroom setting. Uh, could very well be, uh, although by the meaning of life, uh, jolt, uh, folks, uh, I think it is a little bit longer than a jolt. Everybody takes eight pieces of paper, write down important things in their life, and then the facilitator, Matt in this case, describes a guided visualization story, and you are... Uh, coming back from a biopsy and they find a malignant tumor and he keeps on telling the story. As the story proceeds, you'll have to take and throw away one of the eight important things in your life gradually. So this kind of simulates what happens during the death and the dying process. And as you can imagine, if somebody had a cancer death in their family, it's going to affect them very intensely and very emotionally. So sometimes it may backfire. And Matt, I got just the approach for you. If you're worried about uh, about making a lot of people unhappy, you don't have to do the jolt you can do a simulated jolt. So you just describe to them, this is how I usually conduct the jolt and describe how it will happen from time to time. Pause and say, if you were one of the participants, which piece of paper would you throw away at this juncture? And how would you feel if you're down to two pieces of paper? And the facilitator says, Everybody pick up one of the two pieces from your neighbor. Don't read it and throw it away to simulate your total lack of locus of control. How do you feel like that? So you can have a simulated kind of a jolt when you're worried about the intensity of emotion. And where do you go from here with jolts? So where do I put them in the course? (coughs) I know the idea is that they're short and, and they lead to an epiphanous moment, but where in my designs do okay. I leverage a jolt and how often? Uh, primarily, I ask myself, what is my training objective? And then I ask myself, I prepare a list of important principles I want to get across. And I ask myself, are the jolts, for example, if I'm training a group of people on creative problem solving and I'm going to teach them to think out of the box, I can give them a puzzle like, can you draw two concentric circles, one inside the other, but here is the constraint. You'll have to do it on a sheet of paper and you should not lift the pen off the page 
and without lifting the pen off the page and without retracing any lines and without adding any extra lines can you do two concentric circles by the way it can be done so this is a jolt and i think we have that on a youtube video right I, I, yes so we go do. to our youtube site if you want to see that jolt in action so primarily this is what we do and creative problem solving is the principle i want to get across that reminds me of your favorite jolt matt you remember the one you do with the nails oh yeah yeah actually it's not my jolt i learned that from somewhere somewhere else but oh, uh, from andy kimball uh, our mutual mentor <laughs> and anyway you, we take a, a you take a, a big roofing nail with a head on it and you hold it up and you ask how many nails can we balance on top of this nail and uh you you have the audience members participants bid on how many nails they think they can do uh you'll often get one two maximum three or four and then you you tell them that the the actual amount you can you can put on top is about 25 and wow that's great i have done it with 10 but you okay don't... it's 10 <laughs> it's been a while so you take the 10 nails and and you you tell them they can do it in 10 and you ask them if they want to change their bid knowing that the answer might be higher and you part of the debrief as you go through multiple stages of this jolt is if you change your answer just because you know something is possible uh how how could that affect the ways in which you could solve the problem does it open up new avenues for solving the problem if you know that the answer exists if you don't know an answer exists sometimes that can shut down avenues for solutions so and then you solve the the uh, you give them a chance to actually solve the problem right. and come up uh, with an answer but by the way if you guys are curious uh, this is also in a youtube video just uh, check for balancing nails on the head of another nail or I something did we do that one we did not do that but astd milwaukee or somebody did right. that uh and okay so so and, and what's cool about it is uh, uh again it it opens up people's eyes to something that has nothing to do with roofing nails the major advantage jolt of that jolt and any other jolt is they are absolutely engaging the major disadvantage is if you do too many of them you keep irritating people so use it with caution don't pile up too many jolts that is my final thought on this area matt good so uh, if you have any questions about jolts or uh our our amazing ability to do a podcast please uh send either tiagi or me an email uh, i'm matthew at tiagi.com tiagi is tiagi at tiagi.com hey by the way th- it there was no real fire it wasn't a fire alarm it is my iphone hey th- that's what people were going to email us about <laughs> <laughs> so anyway our next episode will be on debriefing so tune in someday sometime somewhere for the episode number 2 of the Tiagi Group podcast. Take care. Thank you. Mm-hmm.